Hello world, I'm Eric Dye. I'm Jeremy Smith. And I'm Phil Schneider. And you're listening to Church Mag Podcast number 76. The point of social media, the point of blogging is not to make money. It's not even to honestly grow our audience. It's just to communicate. It's really cool, this amazing tech that you know, we have in the Western world. It's, it's quite similar to developing countries. They don't have extra clothes or anything, but then oftentimes they will have some sort of smartphone. They didn't have enough money to have one of these workbooks, but they had cell phones. While everyone else is faced to a screen, we're engaging people in real life and real conversation. I don't think Jesus would be checking his Twitter feed all the time. This week's podcast is brought to you by Media Fusion. Media Fusion can get your church started with live streaming for as little as $9 per month. Learn more, sign up for free by visiting MediaFusionApp.com. That's MediaFusionApp.com. On this week's podcast, Church Mag staff writer Chris Wilson shares his interview with author, podcaster, and missionary Steve Bremner. If you want to join the conversation or ask a question yourself, simply use the hashtag CMAGCast. Now, let the fun begin. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Church Mag Podcast. I've been having fun saying exciting, guys. Um, I don't know if it's like I'm trying to set up a self-fulfilling prophecy thing or what, because I don't know if you would really call our podcast exciting. That would be interesting. Let us know, hashtag CMAGCast, in one word, how would you... What would you name? What would how would you how would you describe the Church Mag podcast? And just to save Jeremy the breath, uh, leave an iTunes review telling us in what word how you would describe the Church Mag podcast. Now, there's one thing I do know is this week it is going to be exciting because we have Church Mag's Chris Wilson on the program today. Chris, welcome to the fold. Hello again, Eric. That's pretty good. Now, where where are you right now? Because while you have the uh, really cool, awesome Doctor Who accent, <clears throat> where are you actually residing right now? Uh, I'm currently in Krakow in Poland. Is that awesome or what, guys? Quick, quick question. Quick question. Are you are you there out of the kindness of your heart, or are you restarting the empire one city at a time? Uh, I don't. I don't think Britain ever invaded. Krakow, so oh, Poland. I, so, oh, you know. I don't know. There's a website that says every country Britain invaded. I'm, I'm googling it now. <laughs> and it's like most of them in some yeah, ways. I think it's because yeah. he fell in love and got married a few weeks ago. That's why he's in Krakow, Poland. Just over a month ago. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Britain has invaded nine out of ten countries. <laughs> Only nine. Did you read it on the internet? I did. Must be true. Okay, so... From a British website. Well, naturally. So, Chris interviewed Steve Bremner. Uh, Chris, tell us real quick about Steve before we jump into your fabulous interview. Well, uh, so Steve's a guy I met uh, thanks to Google+. Yes, Phil, there are people on Google+. And uh, we connected over a Christian blogging group there. And he's a missionary out in Peru, originally from Canada. So he may have an even... So, you know, you're getting everyone's accent this week. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so I, I asked him a few questions about you know, how he uses tech to do stuff out on the mission field. Awesome. All right. Well, let's roll the tape. Today, I'm joined by Steve Bremner, who's based in Peru. Hi, Steve. Hi, Chris. How are you, How are you doing? doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. I liked 
how it sounds to hear a British person say my name. I don't know why. You just completely thrown me with that one. Well done. I wasn't trying. I wasn't trying to throw you. I was just trying to. Okay. Uh, oh well. Um, so, Steve, for people who don't know who you are, why don't you just tell people a little bit about yourself, where you are, what you do, stuff like that. So, for people who don't know who I am, which is probably a lot of people listening, <laughs> I'm. Uh, my name is Steve Bremner. I live in Peru. I've been here for the last six years. I came here initially as a single guy, missionarying it up, and eventually got married and, and now have a, a daughter. But the whole time, even before I came, uh, I've been blogging. I've, I've been writing on the internet. Uh, specifically, I started with Blogger and then migrated to WordPress and have my own site. And uh, somewhere along the line, about a year or two before even coming to Peru, I started a podcast as well. And uh, that, that's, that's the nutshell. So I have um, a blog on the internet, uh, stevebremner.com. Uh, for a while, I've been the editor of a site called uh, fireonyourhead.org, which was with a bunch of other dudes who also wrote like fiery revival type of blog articles. And that's where I'd been hosting Fire on Your Head podcast as well. And I still do the podcast and I've been kind of uh, integrating it more with my personal blog and uh, not writing so much on the, the fire in your head, uh, like the articles site or the magazine. We've we've tried calling it over the years, and um, yeah. But as f- that that's the tech stuff, you know, to make it relevant <laughs> to your your show, your audience. Uh, but the but the thing I do on the ground here is uh, we're a pretty organic church, and we we're big in disciple making. Uh, so you know we're we're kind of a small knit community, but with very deep individuals, you know, as opposed to uh, uh, what I mean by organic is not just that we meet in homes because that's not, that's not the point or not our goal, but we do meet in our homes because we don't have our own building. (laughs) Um, We don't have the resources and um, everybody is encouraged to be discipling somebody. Everybody is taught and encouraged and equipped uh, how to, how to multiply, how to pour themselves into other people. So there's, there's no, there's no money in that. Our bills don't get paid, and that's where some of the tent making and, and online stuff helps supplement our our support. Uh, okay, so you were <laughs> blogging before you uh, came uh, to Peru. Then was that just a form of self expression? Oh yes. I mean, I've I've always thought slash known I am a writer, or I will write. Um, you know, I don't know if I thought I'd ever write books or something someday, but uh, when I like for example, like this, I just had this memory, uh, like yesterday when I was in a taxi somewhere, that like when I was in the eighth grade, and the teacher gave us uh, some assignment in our English class, uh, it was like to hand in so many hundreds of words, but I came back the next day with like a twenty-page story, <laughs> like and and just overkill, and I remember that that teacher, uh, she offered to read it. And when she handed everything back to me, she had in, in her, you know, red pen on the back page of the last uh, page that, like, if I wanted her to, she would be happy to mentor me in writing. But, like, I didn't take her up on that because I thought that teacher was nuts and I didn't want my friends to know I was, like, you know, having anything else to do with her besides just our mandatory classes, right? And so I've always enjoyed writing on, on some level, uh, whether people saw anything I was writing or not. But it was, I think, 2004, I saw a friend of mine that I had on Instant Messenger um, start a blog 
and it was mostly like a diary and, and kind of really um, stuff we've come to think is like overshare on Facebook nowadays. And But when I saw it, I thought, I must start one. You know, like whatever these weblogs are, I'm starting one. Uh, I'm going to write there. I'm going to daily, weekly, whatever. Uh, didn't, I didn't plan on being like a diary or something like that. And uh, around the same time, this would have been like the summer of 2004, um, my mother got healed of fibromyalgia at a uh, healing meeting outside of our town. And so I had sent an email to a bunch of people to testify about it and got some good and bad reaction to it. The good, you know, praise God that this happened. The bad being like, Steve, I want to argue with you about your theology of healing instead of being happy that God healed somebody, you know. And so I decided like, okay, I'm going to kind of get defensive of like some stuff that like we're not used to seeing some in certain circles of, of Christianity, you know. So I, I, my first post was I copied and pasted that healing testimony as a, a blog post. And then from there, I'd start writing posts about healing and start writing about like other gifts of the spirit because I knew most of the people reading my blog were from my, my Plymouth Brethren church. And so it's like my initial audience was like to kind of prove using scriptures, uh, miracles and, and, and things like that for today. And then eventually I veered off into like, you know, writing experiences or things that are going on uh, when I made it to the mission field and share testimonies, share, you know, especially if I had like healing testimonies, I'd put them uh, to writing. Uh, and eventually my blog kind of morphed and evolved. Uh, and uh, I know you and I talked privately about like if you're supposed to have a niche or just a voice. And I, I definitely have a voice more than a niche now. <laughs> um, but I've been definitely been blogging regularly on, on the internet, um, not on a daily basis, but definitely a weekly basis for about 11 years now. Uh, so for <laughs> a long time, that's, uh, that's impressive. Yes. I don't, I don't feel like it's impressive. You know, I feel <laughs> like if, if you feel like you're called to write or have that gift, then, then you, you basically feel no other option but to like exercise that muscle on a regular basis. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I view it the, I view it the same way. I, I, I don't mean to hijack uh, your next question, but like an author friend of mine, I asked him about like, how did you know you're ready to write your first book? And he said like, you can't help it. It just kind of explodes out of you. And he told me if I were you, I would write at least one hour a day or a thousand words, whichever comes first. So it's like, I, I made that like my template of like, to just be in a lifestyle habit of writing every day, you know? And, I mean, we live in the internet age. <laughs> so, I mean, that's where the blog comes in handy. Uh, now that you are a uh, missionary out in the field, well, uh, a foreign-based missionary, has your use of the blog changed? Do you use it to keep supporters in touch, uh, raise funds, or something like that? I don't know how effective the blogging is towards getting funds raised. But I, I have been pleasantly surprised in the last year, or at least since I've been married uh, over the last two years, I've been pleasantly surprised how often complete strangers have have started sending us kind of like special gifts. And they and I find out they're people who've been following my blog or podcast for a while. And, and you know, God touched them or spoke to them or whatever to, to send something our way. So I don't know that it's helped like with raising like a consistent support base but it but it does provide like um it does provide something for people to to see what kind of stuff you say and teach and are doing um especially if like you're in the habit 
of sharing what you're doing on your blog or you're in the habit of also kind of teaching to your blog audience the kind of stuff you're teaching uh, to people on the field. And so it's kind of like it gives people a way to like kind of test drive what you what you might be teaching and doing on the field. Like, it de- you know, this depends on who you are and what you're, you're doing, right? But I think like in my case, it's something like that. And, um, you know, like the last three people that have sent us kind of like a sizable donation, they were all people who had been longtime listeners of the podcast and, and felt like they need to send something to me. Um, so I don't look at it like my blog or my podcast or my books. You know, I've got some Kindle books. Um, it's kind of like this package of, um, I, I don't know if I want to use the word branding, but I, uh, I might as well. You know, it's, it's like the branding, <laughs> you know, and so the blog is part of it and it's, it's a main portion of that branding. And uh, so, yeah, I definitely, I see, I see how it's helped, but it, it's not like, um, I've, I've mastered some kind of art of how to use it to raise support. It's kind of happened. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was just imagining a Steve Remner TM that we could stamp on stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't mean like a trademark, but like, you know how, like if you, every, everything of mine you look at, you can tell is the same guy or like that the voice or the style of writing, like you can tell, like, this is who this guy is. You know, that's, that's what I'm going for when I say branding. Yeah. What about, uh, so, I mean, my question was a bit leading. I actually, now I actually wanted to talk about not just with financial support, but also for things like prayer support and uh, uh, staying in contact with people that way. Is that also uh, something that you've noticed the blog is really good for? Uh, do you use other methods to stay in contact with uh, supporters for prayer requests and stuff like oh, that? Oh, of course. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I get where you're going with that. Yeah. Um, of course, I've, I've, you know, oftentimes received emails from people out of thin air that were praying for me or, got, you know, they say like God spoke to me and uh, I just wanted to let you know I saw this, I felt this and uh, I'm praying for you or, or um, and that, that oftentimes wouldn't have happened if not for um, having had a blog, having had a podcast, having had an email list where people have signed up to be able to kind of reach out to me or contact me. Um, I, it, but I've definitely received, um, you know, people letting me know that they're praying for me or now us as I'm, as I'm a married man, uh, I've definitely seen, um, yeah, like not even just the financial stuff, but like if something's going on that, that, you know, I could use the larger body of Christ, uh, knowing about it to, to help encourage us, um, for sure. Uh, but I mean, I don't know how, how much of that is related to social media, and how much of it is like um, blogging and stuff. But if, if you wrap it all together as a, as a platform or a branding in general, then yeah, I've definitely seen a lot of positive fruit, a lot of, um, you know, like if, if you're sewing and you're sewing and sewing and sewing for a long time and, and providing people stuff that helps them, uh, then you, then you reap people wanting to help you as well, I think. Um, so, changing tack a bit so we talked a bit about how you know you use these tools to stay in contact with people back in england how you use it to raise funds raise prayer support raise even just awareness uh, but what about on the ground because you're in quite a, a different situation to probably many right. of the church mag listeners uh being in Peru okay. rather than america you know being in a, a, a evangelical minority country do you use uh, some of these modern tools technology to help uh 
help you guys out with the work that you're doing uh do you find anything helpful is there anything you'd love uh, as well most of what i do is involved uh with teaching teaching uh, we have a small and i mean small um ministry school uh with you know like six people in in first year uh four i think five maybe actually in our second year because we have one guy who's doing both at the same time uh, and then um and then like a, every other Friday night, like a third year thing. And so we're just like, you know, using whiteboards and markers and, and, you know, Bibles and stuff like that. Right. And so like, as far as the locals go, um, we, you know, there's not a specific role necessarily that, that technology is playing, especially since, um, some of them don't have computers or some of them never learned how to type or, uh, like my wife only in, in, you know, last few years, uh, took a course to learn how to use like Microsoft and, and Word and all these things on a, on a computer. Um, and so like I've got people I'm discipling who grew up not using a computer and, and are now kind of learning their way around the internet and stuff. And so um, as far as like actual ministry to these people goes, um, there's not like, you know, we, it, it's ministry we could be doing like 10 or 15 years ago. It doesn't look a lot different. But as far as my my own preparation goes, um, I've, I've become a big fan of Google Drive and Evernote, <laughs> taking uh, notes down on like Evernote so I can sync them to my tablet and not lug a bunch of, you know, like my laptop or stuff like that to um, to like my classes. Uh, and, and, you know, Google Drive for sharing all our teachings amongst like, you know, the other guys that are teaching. Uh, we basically put our documents on Google Drive and share them with each other. So like we have everything in kind of like a hub on the internet that we can all access. So I see, um, a small role that technology plays in, um, like my actual life on life ministry. But as far as the way I prepare, uh, to teach and preach and stuff, um, you know, I'm just, I've become so accustomed to, uh, having internet access for one, (laughs) but definitely using, um, devices you know so what about uh access to not just computers but mobile devices such as mobile phones and do you use uh those for uh helping minister as well right uh i don't know anyone who doesn't have a a cell phone uh here uh now the quality of cell phone they have you know i mean not many of them will have a smartphone uh, but they have something that you can reach them at something that you can um call them at now whether or not they've um gotten it like on the black market or gotten it like in a legit way um you know i have some stories i can share with you about uh stolen phones and stuff but um but uh, for another time because i I know you're short for time and uh, i think i think you know the main the main way we use that kind of technology is is mostly just for communicating or you know for a while our leader mark would send a bible verse uh to like everybody on our in our network um and uh, so like, you know, like maybe every day, um, we would get like a little push notification of like a Bible verse from, from Mark. And I know he was sending that to like 70 people or something in the jungle and, and in our little community here. Uh, so, I mean, we use the, we use those kind of things in that way. Um, so, I mean, but funny thing, uh, about that, like back three or four years ago now, I, I substitute taught in, um, uh, a friend's English class because apparently I can speak some pretty good English, uh, so I could do this kind of thing. And all, and it was like, there was, um, three different classes, but the oldest one of, of teenagers, uh, when the class was ending, 
they asked me for my Twitter and Facebook. And so I wrote them on the blackboard. And I was using a brand new phone in those days where I had like a 30-day free trial of like um, internet connection on it. And I was walking from my one class to the other. And I had like three notifications that, that kids had added me on Facebook like in the last 15 minutes that were from that other class. And I thought it was very interesting because half of the students in that class didn't have the workbook that they were using to, to, to do English, but had cell phones. Like almost all of them had cell phones and some of them even had internet on their cell phones. So like they were too, you know, they, they didn't have enough money to, you know, have one of these workbooks to use, but they had cell phones and were adding me, um, on the internet in like real time and not waiting until they got home and used their computers or something. And this is about four years ago, right? This was kind of like eye opening for me that like the internet is basically changing and everybody is, is fast going to be using um, a mobile device and, and tablets weren't as, as common now, like then as they are now. Right. And so I, I do know people who um, I've got on Facebook, uh, you know, Spanish speaking previous, and they don't have a computer. They don't have internet. They might go to a a cafe, but they they do. Some of them do have um, a smartphone or some kind of feature phone that's got internet capability. Uh, uh, but as far as like my actual interacting with them goes, it's it's kind of limited to Facebook and and more like real life interacting with people. You know, like in um, you know meals together or or having people that are in our classes or stuff like that. So I, I don't I don't specifically see how I'm using a lot of technology with the locals as much as like just realizing it it does play a role here in people's lives even if it you don't think it would you know pe- there's people that live on like two hundred dollars a month and in a shack that don't have like running water but they've got a mobile phone <laughs> you know what I mean like yeah. you can you can still communicate with them and and it it blows my mind you know like just thinking of um, you know, like people can have internet access on a phone and not have like running water or something, <laughs> you know, isn't that kind of crazy? Yeah. I heard something similar about that, uh, to do with, uh, uh, some very poor districts in Africa and that there were similar stories that, you know, people, uh, have, it's unclear if they'll go have food this week, but they've all got a mobile phone. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I don't think that's a bad thing, right? Like I'm not knocking like they, because in some places you can't get the running water there yet. It's like, you know, I could go into that some more, but, uh, but as far as like the way the world is evolving and you need, um, a cell phone or you need, uh, some kind of way that you can be reached. Like, you know, we've got guys that are, uh, taxi drivers, uh, or they do some kind of work where if they're looking for a job, you know, that you need to be reachable. So like a cell phone is is um pretty hard to not have no matter if you're like in Africa or or uh you know the desert of Peru these days it's it's like almost a commodity you know uh, and like I think looking at what you said correct me if I'm wrong here but kind of you okay. use uh the communication tools these modern communication tools like Facebook and mobile phones to to pr- help produce uh, face-to-face contact and to have uh, those things rather than, you know, substituting those uh, face-to-face interactions for online ones, yeah? Right, 
So like you're asking, like if, if I use these things uh, as a way of getting to like the face-to-face uh, interactions. Yeah. More than. Uh, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Like, um, you know, just yesterday I had a tag on Facebook where um, my brother-in-law tagged like 37 people to like announce and let people know we were going to have a time of worship at um, uh, somebody's house in our, in our street um, t- tonight. I mean, you and I are recording this on uh, Thursday before um, Easter. Yeah. And so, you know, here that's a, it's a holiday. And, and so in the evening, we're going to get together informally at someone's house and, and have um, a time of prayer and worship. And, you know, so the communicating on uh, Facebook is, is how we're spreading word about it. Because, yeah. I mean, if you think of just tagging like 37 people knowing in the next 24 hours, they might all see it. As opposed to like um, maybe in the past, sending a text message to a bunch of different people. I mean, I guess that's just as effective, right? Sending a text yeah. to 37 people um, might cost you a little bit in your minutes or your, your plan or whatever. But Or if you um, spread the word, you know, and you call someone, tell them to call someone. But having access to Facebook has, has proven to be pretty helpful, you know, to, to communicate rapidly with many people, even uh, in our, our context. You know? Yeah, no, I can I can definitely see that, and uh, I mean I remember having similar experiences in uh, in Spain where we'd send out a Facebook message or WhatsApp message to people to let them know you know we got a meeting this week in this place or you know there's a barbecue everyone's invited or something like that, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's quite a similar experience. I yeah. think. But like. But even that, look like what we're talking about technology. Where where are you um, talking to me from? Poland. You know? Yeah. yeah, so you're in Poland, I'm in Peru. And the listener doesn't have to know that. that I mean, the listener um, wouldn't know the difference necessarily, except for the fact we said so. Yeah. Because the, the internet makes, like, the mountains, you know, low and the valleys high in terms of um, how people can communicate and, and have access to, like, um, you know, like me and you could interview the same people for our podcasts just because we have access to internet where, where we're living, you know, and in my case, in a, a develop or, you know, a two thirds world nation and, um, you in, in Eastern Europe, you know, it's like the, the internet does that, you know, and I think that that's, that's amazing that, you know, the kind of the, the age we live in, I'm sorry if I'm going off, but like, um, you know, like, like imagine what you think the apostle Paul would have done if he had the internet in his day, you know what I mean? Like, um, months wasted uh, sending scrolls and stuff with people to like deliver to a church and maybe other stuff has happened since whatever he dealt with in his letter but like if he you know if he had internet and he could just put something on there and then boom they get a notification on their smartphone or something and uh no but you know what i mean like imagine how the apostle paul would have used the internet (laughs) you know there's such ways like the internet is has been used and is being used for like the spread of the kingdom of God on the earth, you know? So, so I guess, uh, the takeaway maybe if we had to have one takeaway is that, uh, the, uh, the internet, okay. There are some bad points, distractions, but it can be a really powerful and useful tool for spreading the kingdom of God, both in America and in lesser developed countries. Absolutely. Of course. Great. Thank you uh, for speaking with me, Steve. It's been a real Yeah, thanks for having me. I had fun. And the tape rolled. All right. 
Most excellent. Chris, uh, thanks for putting that interview together. You did that months ago, and we finally got around to releasing it. Um, sorry it took so long, but uh, we got it out there. That's awesome. Uh, Jeremy, what did what, you think of that interview, man? Well, obviously, you're a missionary, so you get this idea of what it means to do technology out on the mission field. And I moved 2,000 miles away from my support base as a missionary. So just the I, I loved at the beginning when he was talking about how you have the idea of trying to do ministry funds that Chris had asked, and it's really not that sort of a kind of a, a, a way of getting money. There are a lot of different ways of getting money, and that's not one of them. Um, in fact, when we were doing Missionary Model, they said that the newsletter was one of the worst, and that includes like the digital giving. But the ability to be able to tell your story to your already established missionary support team is absolutely essential. And I loved that he was talking about that, whether it's Facebook or blogging, which blogging is just a 10 times better version of Facebook communication wise. So I really love that. Sorry, guys. I was getting notifications. I hope that doesn't come across on the podcast um, the way my recording setup is. So either I can edit those out or there's going to be while you're talking. Bing. Okay. Now, how do I compose myself after that? Um, Yes, it's interesting to see, you know, when we talk about using the church and technology and and using it for the kingdom and these kind of things, we really think about it in a a Western mindset, right, in how we see it and how we use it. And while there are many users on Facebook worldwide, you know, there are many parts of the world that are using social media in a far different way. I know a lot of the – a lot of the – uh, immigrants and refugees that come to Italy, uh, a lot of times they'll have, they, they don't have anything. They don't have extra clothes or anything, but then oftentimes they will have some sort of smartphone or telephone device that can go on Facebook. And then that, that's how they're able to communicate with, with, uh, loved ones at home or with each other and that and that sort of thing so it, you kind of get this weird this there's a kind of a weird contrast between being being a, ref, a, a refugee from another country and having a smartphone it, it's like you wouldn't think that those two things go together but it's and it's a, it's a, it's an essential thing for them to have to be able um to to communicate and to be connected i think it comes back to the idea of social media and blogging where we try to pull every single dime out of anything we use we can but the point of social media the point of blogging is not to make money it's not even to honestly grow our audience it's just to communicate and so exactly what you said eric and to the point of chris is that we just need to communicate our story we need to communicate it well Mm -hmm. yeah and you know we, we talk about being mobile friendly and and you know being cutting edge and high tech when there's a huge uh, population in the world that while they're using the mobile internet, they are using the mobile internet. So they have, you know, you can't have, you know, full go video and all this kind of fancy stuff made for high speed internet connections because they're using it, you know, they're using a, a cell phone, uh, you know, wireless connection. And so you have to kind of keep that in mind and how you craft your tech and solutions for the rest of the world. So those, those things to, uh, take into consideration another interesting thing that i that i heard um last night someone was talking um about uh some immigrants that were that were moving from oh, i want to say syria um they were war refugees and they were along the 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 border of hungary and um if they heard if if somebody heard that someone was giving food away or some sort of aid they would communicate with each other the the refugees would communicate via facebook 
right? And they might be like one phone for several people. So it's not like everyone had a phone, but that's how they would communicate. And so if an organization or someplace was giving giving food away or making services available to refugees, thousands and thousands of people would show up to receive those services. And so suddenly, even things like foreign aid, uh, it's kind of a double-edged sword, because imagine if you're like, oh, we're going to give out, we're, we're going to give away a thousand, you know, a thousand uh, meals, right? And then suddenly 10,000 people show up because because of, you know, they were able to d- disseminate the information via Facebook. And so more people found out than, than you were prepared for. The, the plus side is that, that uh, suddenly large masses of people are able to connect and find out where there's, um, uh, there's you know, goods and services. And that ran through the whole process for your interview, Chris, is that the audience is the one that's in the power of moving through that, your information. And so you just need to kind of, at times, be along for the ride. And I think that that's okay. So for churches, for individual bloggers, sometimes you don't have control over your audience, and that's all right. But just let, just... I don't, maybe you guys have a better way of communicating this and I wouldn't say catering to them is the best solution, but just recognize that you don't have control in that process many times. And, and so sometimes you get 10,000 people and sometimes you get five. I I thought one of the things that was kind of cool from, uh, from Steve is that like uh, I could imagine a load of the ways he uses tech in his ministry would be so true of, uh, of churches in the Western world though, as well, like sending a message on Facebook about how we're having a prayer meeting or a get together or something like that. And then people turning up face to face and using Evernote to keep all his notes together and stuff. And so it's really cool that, um, that this amazing tech that you know, we have in the Western world is, is quite similar to, uh, developing countries and that we can use it in the same ways. Uh, and I think like it's so simple, some of the stuff they do. And I do wonder, may, like I've been thinking about this a lot because it was a while back, but maybe sometimes we try and overcomplicate things with our church tech solutions by, you know, we've got to have, we've got to be on all the networks. We've got to have all, all the things, you know, but really maybe it's just, send out a simple email or Facebook message and get together with people and uh, share the good news with them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and it's, it's a fine balance. I mean, talking about all the great things that we can do with technology on the kind of the flip side, using the, uh, the CMAGCast hashtag, uh, Justin Allison and church tech and media gave a shout out and said that they enjoyed Phil's Post on being different in a digital age. So there's a little bit of flip side. Oh, to all that's that. sweet. Yeah, isn't it though? That's, that's so nice. Isn't it though? That's, that's, you're, you're getting good Canadian there, buddy. Thanks. Well, you know, after hearing Steve. <laughs> well, hey, you, dry, you, you, you live in Italy for a few years. You hear one guy's interview, and all of a sudden you are Canadian. That just tells you. <laughs> Bam! Canadian accent's a low threshold. They're so nice, though. They wouldn't want it to be hard. They're very nice people. And, and Phil, for people, that, so nice. and for so people nice. that haven't read your Being Different in a Digital Age, what exactly does that mean? Well, my, uh, my main premise um, is sharing from my own weaknesses. And uh, I'm not very good at being present. I'm just not. Um, uh, I don't re- relate well interpersonally. So um, I, my wife pointed out that I, uh, I fall victim to my iPhone a lot. And I, I need to pay more attention to what's going on around me. And she said that, you know, Christians are always talking about being different than the world, they could, their first step would be not looking at their phones when they're with people. 
And it kind of went from there. And so for me, being different in a digital world means that uh, while everyone else is faced to a screen, we're engaging people in real life and real conversation. And we're just, we're, we're being Jesus. And I don't think Jesus would be checking his Twitter feed all the time. Right. And, and I, I think all, all this is really important to talk about because we can see, you know, as Steve points out, all the great things that we can use tech for. And then you have this kind of the, the flip side of how damaging it can be. So it's really it's dangerous to kind of be all in or, or all out, frankly. Yeah, exactly. There, can't, there cannot be a single answer to that question. Like, should I be online? No. Should I be online? Yes. It, it's, it's yes, you should be when it's appropriate. Right, does anyone want to jump in with any more final uh, point thingies on Steve's deal? I think that was our boomstack block. He's on fire! All right. Awesome. Chris, thanks for doing the interview there, man. No problem. It's always fun to have another Church Meg writer on the podcast. Thank you, Chris. We love hearing from listeners, so tell us what you think by using the CMAGCast hashtag, and you can be sure to hear back from us. You can also submit any comment, question, or podcast idea by visiting churchmag forward slash biddle me this. Until next week. <laughs> this is now, now, you, now you know that my best jokes are, 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 are never recorded. Is that why you record <laughs> so early? That is exactly why, Eric. You <laughs> just don't get any good jokes on that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Spread, I, I was spread the rumors. You, re- <laughs> you record so early just so that you have a chance to keep up with Phil. The Church Mag Podcast is proudly hosted on buzzsprout.com. Let me go check and see how long the interview is again. 31 minutes. It's 30. Yes. Yeah, 30 yeah, 31 minutes and five seconds. So there. Uh, unedited. <laughs> so we don't really actually need much after talk is what I'm trying to get at. Otherwise, it's going to be like ridiculously long. And we're going to try to squeeze in and Phil's late. So. I'm, hey, 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 hey. I'm here. What? Oh, I am, oh Phil, I am, you were here. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm freaking well dressed. Okay. Okay, so Phil. I, I don't know how many today. times, Phil, that we have to go over this. This is a podcast. Nobody can see I you. Know.